We have on the line with us Dr. Tom Cranawitter, who I am so excited to be partnering with regarding Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. So, Dr. Thomas Cranawitter, welcome to the Americhicks. <laughs> well, good morning, Kim. I, I see you made it into the studio on this cold, snowy morning. I did. It took a little longer than anticipated, but it's great that most everybody's calling in because it was a little dicey out there. <laughs> I believe it. I was so happy to get that text from you last night. <laughs> but we are getting ready for Vino and Veritas, right? Uh, we are. I am so excited. We, I, and the great news is is that we're sold out, and the bad news is we're sold out. But we, we are recommending that people go ahead and sign up, uh, get on the wait list, and sign up for February, and sign up for the complete year. Tom, this well, is going to be exciting. Let's, 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 let's be clear here so everyone knows who's listening. So what we're doing is we're meeting once a month. We're going to meet on the fourth Monday in the evening of every month, so there'll be 12 meetings in, in the year 2019, and what we have sold out is the first meeting in January, right. but okay. there, are, there, are, there are seats available for the February meeting, and what we're offering, people can either, they can buy one ticket for one event if, if they just want to test it out, or if they want to make sure and have a seat for all the rest of the year, they can buy a membership, and then and starting in February, they can sit through all, all the meetings. And the way they can do that is they can go to, uh, we've created a page just for this event. If they go to speakeasyideas.com slash vino, it's V-I-N-O, the old Latin word for wine, V-I-N-O, uh, they can, people can learn all the information they want and they can register right there. So Tom, one of the questions people have, they say, you know, a lot of people travel and they're concerned they cannot make all of the vino and veritas throughout the year. But you've got a remedy for that. We, well, what we're going to do is each, I mean, it's a book, you know, and, and, and let's be, be clear here why we're doing this. The Federalist Papers, it is one of those iconic classic books. It is the classic work of American constitutional political science. There's simply no other work has ever been produced uh, like that book. And many people will refer to it or they'll, they'll hear other people make references to the Federalist Papers, and yet they've never studied it. I know people who have had the Federalist Papers on their reading list for 30 years, and, you know, life is busy. They just have never gotten around to it, but they want to study that book. So that's why we're doing uh, Vino and Veritas with a study of, of the Federalist Papers. So it's a whole book. The best way to get the most out of this would be to attend all the presentations. But if you cannot, each one is going to have a standalone component, meaning even if you missed you know, some prior sessions, it's still good to show up because you're going to get something. There's going to be a lot of takeaways in each meeting that don't depend on the discussions prior to that. Well, and Tom, really, I think it does make a lot of sense to try to do all 12 of the Vino and Veritas. And as you mentioned, January is the one that is currently sold out, which we're thrilled. Uh, You can get on the wait list. You can go to speakeasyideas. You said dot. Dot dot com slash Vino, V-I-N-O. Okay. Or you can go to Americhicks.com, and there's a link, which I think will get you over to that as well. Um, But we would suggest get on the wait list for January. And go ahead and sign up for February. And we would highly recommend to go ahead and get your spot reserved for the complete subscription. Because I think that we are just about a third sold out on that. So if you want to make sure that you've got a spot, uh, you should go ahead and sign up for the complete year. 
you know, I mean, it's such a wonderful thing. This this has been, you know, a little experiment. I mean, I'm the first to admit this is a little unusual. Not many people put on, you know, clubs that feature a close reading and study of the Federalist Papers. So none of us involved here, we, we weren't quite sure how this would go. And the fact that the January meeting not only is it sold out, it was sold out almost a month I know. before the actual meeting, and we have a waiting list. It, it, for me, I find this tremendously hopeful, the fact that so many citizens want to come and, and study the authoritative account of the United States Constitution is just a wonderful sign for the future of our country. Oh, that, that's great. Now, uh, 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 Tom, you had said that for a while, the Federalist Papers wasn't even really available. Tell that story quick, like. Well, in, in the year 1913, which was a very bad year for constitutional government in the United States, many bad things happened, including the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, um, a, a, a president was inaugurated who openly despised the Constitution. His name was Woodrow Wilson. He, he wrote an entire book explaining why the Constitution was old and irrelevant and, and immoral, and therefore we should just move beyond the Constitution. And in that same year, a Marxist professor of history, his name was Charles Beard, he wrote a book which ended up being very influential. It was titled uh, An Economic Interpretation of the Constitution. And what he did is he, he said, look, uh, the arguments in the Federalist Papers don't really matter. We now have learned from Karl Marx. We Marxists. I mean, he was a Marxist. He said, we Marxists now know that economic interests drive all human actions, all human choices. So what really matters are the economic interests of the people who wrote the Constitution. So his book, literally, he goes through the the personal finances of the 55 delegates at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in 1787. And he shows that many of them were, you know, upper middle class. George Washington, was, who was there at the Constitutional Convention, he was one of the wealthiest men in the country. And so Charles Beard concludes from that that the Constitution was written by wealthy men, therefore it was written in the interests of the wealthy, which means it is bad for the poor. And, and he said, but the problem was, for those wealthy few, they needed the many poor to vote, to ratify the Constitution. So they produced things like the Federalist Papers to fool the, the poor people in the United States into thinking the Constitution would actually be good for them. That's how they got them to vote for it. Now, here's what's remarkable. That's the argument of that book. For an entire generation after that, very few, virtually no academics in our colleges and universities were teaching the Federalist Papers. Instead, they were teaching Charles Beard's book, An Economic Interpretation of the Constitution. So there were no classes on the Federalist Papers. Uh, uh, hardly any, it, it was hard to get the Federalist Papers. The major published book publishers were not publishing the Federalist Papers anymore. In fact, I went back and tracked from 1900 to 1961, think about this, 61 years, only three Ph.D. dissertations were written on the subject of the Federalist Papers. All those political scientists and historians and sociologists, whatever they were writing their dissertations on, they weren't writing about the Federalist Papers because no one was talking about them. No one taught 
classes in it, it was simply irrelevant. Well, so that in 61 years, there were only three Ph.D. dissertations. But then it seems like we are reaping uh, what has been sown here with some of these young socialists that are getting elected to office now. Well, you know, think about that. I mean, let me give you a context here. I, I was at the University of Colorado at Boulder, the Boulder campus, a few years ago, and I had a lunch meeting with their political science faculty. My, my PhD is in political science, and I was speaking up there. So we went and had lunch, and I had many of their faculty sitting around me. And I asked them, I said, who, who teaches the Federalist Papers here? And they all kind of looked at each other, and it ends up nobody teaches the Federalist Papers. It, in, it, in the entire political science faculty at the University of Colorado at Boulder, nobody teaches the Federalist Papers. And so it's not surprising when you have these young Americans, especially college-educated Americans, and they hear these, these tempting, seductive ideas of socialism, and they don't have any grounding in anything else. They don't even understand what constitutional government is because they've never studied it. They've never thought about it. They didn't have professors explaining these things to them. That's what makes socialist politicians and candidates so incredibly attractive to young Americans today. Aha. So, hey, Tom, we are going to go to break. When we come back, though, I'd like to chat just a little bit about the, the dishonest narrative of Charles Beard's book regarding the economic interests of those that signed the Constitution. Because you have to go back, and many of these people were also um, involved in the Revolution and signing the Declaration, and at great risk. So there's significant dishonesty regarding Charles Beard's book. We're going to go to break. We have on the line with us Dr. Tom Cranawitter uh, talking about our really great event coming up, Vino and Veritas, the study of the Federalist Papers and why it's so important. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our our website. It's AmeriChicks.com. That's where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, we have on the line with us Dr. Tom Cranawitter, who we are partnering together to bring you Vino and Veritas. It will be a study of the Federalist Papers the fourth Monday of each month, beginning January 28th. Uh, we'll meet throughout 2019. More information, you can go to com. The link is there. Or speakeasyideas.com. Com, right? Slash Vino. Is that right? <laughs> Slash Vino. You got it. Okay. And, and, you know, let's say a word about Vino. We, we've talked about the Veritas part of that, uh, of this program. Right? That's the old word for truth. And, and there's a lot of truth packed into the Federalist Papers. What about the Vino part? We, we have a third partner here. This is the AmeriChicks. It is Speakeasy Ideas. And it's the good people at Water's Edge Winery and Bistro. And this is one of the coolest things I have discovered in the Denver area. What they do, these these people really know wine. And so they go out and they search for the best kinds of grapes, not only around the United States, but around the country, around the world. And they have the grapes imported, sent here to Denver, and then they make the wine right there. So we're going to be hanging out at that facility at Water's Edge Winery and Bistro 
and people can show up early. They can get a glass of wine. They have reds and whites and bubbles and all that fun stuff. And they're going to have the kitchen's going to be open. They'll have a special menu for us. So if you don't get time to eat something before, that's okay. You can drink some wine, eat some food, make some new friends. And then around 6 o'clock each time uh, that we meet, we'll start talking about the Federalist Papers. Well, Tom Cranawitter, you are excited about this. In fact, it's coming through on your voice. Uh, Susan just texted me and said, it's so nice to hear Tom is so excited and so thrilled. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, was, I was telling my, my colleague, uh, Bethany, that I, I have taught the Federalist Papers many dozens of times in normal college classroom settings. You know, my background is in the academic world. I've taught at Claremont McKenna College and Hillsdale College and a number of other places. But I've never been so excited to teach a class on the Federalist as Vino and Veritas. It's such a wonderful thing to have ordinary citizens and, and business people and, and you know, professionals in all kinds of areas of life coming together voluntarily because they want to sit down and talk about the Federalist Papers. I'm really jazzed about it. Well, and in this day and age, the human interaction, I think, and you mentioned it, it really is a three-way partnership between uh, you and your team at Speakeasy Ideas, the AmeriChicks, and Jen Hewlin over at Water's Edge Winery. The other thing I want to mention is you have a chalkboard that you are going to be so excited about there <laughs> because you like to, to really diagram what's going on there, and it it just... I think it's going to be pretty fun. <laughs> you know, it, this is this. Okay, this is a, a nerdy little geeky insight into my soul. So, <clears throat> I love chalkboards, like old-fashioned, you know, actual chalkboards, not whiteboards, but chalkboards. And I do a lot of public speaking in different, you know, settings. And I'm always asking people, do you have some kind of big writing space that I can use? And so they'll bring out a little, you know, a little pad of paper and, and hang it on a tripod and then it falls down and everything. I walked into Water's Edge and looked at the wall and I said, oh, my goodness, they have an entire wall that they turned into a blackboard. That's perfect. That's where I'm going to stand right by that blackboard so that I can... I can diagram the Federalist Papers. Yeah, it's, I, I'm really excited about it. So be sure and go to americhicks.com or speakeasyideas.com slash vino. Get on the wait list for January and uh, then go ahead and subscribe for the complete year uh, beginning in February, February. That will assure your spot. Um, so question, kind of the dishonesty. Yeah. We talked in the last segment about Charles Beard's book and the economics uh, interests of the founders. And certainly George Washington was one of the wealthiest people in America, but he continued to step up and put it all on the line. He didn't have any biological children. I mean, it's, he's kind of an amazing story. You know, let, let, let me just focus on George Washington. The part of the story about Washington that Charles Beard did not tell. What Beard did is he showed, you know, Washington had all this savings. He owned all this property. And, and, and by the way, much of his life he owned adult slaves as well uh, that he had inherited. And, right, so he was really, he was, a, he was a wealthy man. And Beard says, he just concludes, ergo, Washington had to be looking out for the interests of wealthy people because he was a, he was a wealthy man. Here's what Beard did not say. King George III had a very favorable view of George Washington because George Washington had helped during the French-Indian War. He had fought on the side of the British. 
And and all King George the Third was asking was a was a really a pittance in taxes, pittance compared to what we pay today. It was it was virtually nothing. And had George Washington paid a tiny little amount in taxes, he would have lived a life of comfort and leisure, being one of the, the favored subjects of King George the Third. Instead, he leaves his home, he he leaves that glorious estate at Mount Vernon and he leads this ragtag band of teenage boys, many of whom were unarmed, untrained, up against the greatest military power on the face of the planet at that time, the British Army and Navy. I mean, when I present the story of Washington to students, I sometimes joke and say, was George Washington crazy? I mean, who would actually do that? Who would leave this comfortable, nice life to go engage in a bloody rape? revolutionary fight against the British Army and Navy. Well, George Washington did. He put it all on the line. For him, making sure that he could govern himself, that he could make his choices on how to use his own property, how to live his own life, that was more important. That individual freedom was more important than simply living a a, a leisurely, comfortable life under the thumb of a king. So that brings us to, we've got just about three minutes. The question I wanted to ask you, and that is, how do free people live? In a way, it's simple. In a way, it's really hard. Free people live by making their own choices. They make their own choices about uh, how to conduct themselves, what kind of person they're going to be, how they're going to treat other people, what they're going to do with their own labor, their own hands, their own mind, what they're, how they're going to use their property, and they accept the consequences of their choices, whether those consequences are good or bad, right? And so sometimes they're good. Uh, entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, will at some point make some very wise, good business decisions, and most entrepreneurs make really bad decisions. Most successful business people fail numerous times before they actually succeed, and that's part of being free. The idea that you stand up and say, I am a mature adult human being. I'm going to make my own choices. I'm going to carve out a path in life, and I'm going to accept whatever consequences flow from that. And and the challenge of that is it's scary. It's really scary. It's much easier to stand up in the world and say, I feel like a child. And I want some adult figure to make choices for me. I want someone else to figure out what my kids should study in school. I want someone else to figure out how my business should be run and how how I should use my property. And so we have a lot of people in the United States today who, who really think of themselves as a child, and they're looking around for some adult figures, uh, parent figures, to run their lives. And guess what? They find those types in the bureaucracies, in the regulatory agencies. The government is staffed full of alleged experts who are quite willing to come and make choices for how you are supposed to live your life. That's really the great alternative that we have today. Are we going to live as free, self-governing people? Are we going to make choices for ourselves, how to use our own money, how to raise our own kids, how to run our own businesses? Or do we want other people far away in Washington, D.C., making those choices for us. Well, Tom, I think that I think that there's a groundswell that, that's happening. I, I think that we are 
if at the third founding of America, if you will, there was Washington and the Patriots, and there was Lincoln, who you're an expert on, and the Civil War. And we are, I think, at a time where we are looking at the soul of Americans and saying, who are we? And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so excited about this Vino and Veritas, is the fact that we have busy people that are signing up, and as you mentioned, almost a month in advance, because they're hungry for this, and I think they're hungry for that personal relationship. And there's going to be friendships that come out of this Vino and Veritas. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a friend-making event. It's going to be a networking event. And it's going to play, be a place where people who, they're busy every day, right? They, they have children. They have businesses. They have life's just busy and messy. I, I get that. And what we're offering is a little moment of calm to sit down and study the background of, of why those early Americans decided in favor of a constitutional government rather than some kind of monarchy, rather than some kind of rule by experts over them without their consent. And I think people are going to walk away not only with a, a deeper understanding of the Constitution, they're going to walk away with a deeper love for freedom. They're going to walk away with a deeper, a deeper wiser understanding of human nature and, and why it's actually a bad deal to rely on other experts to make choices for you. Because those experts, they actually don't care that much about your interests. You know what they care about? Their own interests. And so they tend to make choices that benefit them, not benefit you. And I think all these things are going to come together in a wonderful experience while we sit and drink wine and read the, the most famous book of political science in American history. Okay, so for more information, uh, that would be speakeasyideas.com slash vino, or you can go to americhicks.com. We'll see you next Monday night, Dr. Tom Cranawitter. It is going to be awesome. All right, thank you, Kim, and be safe driving home today. Okay, will do.